Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here, back on Amazing Business Radio, and we are talking with Anna Lyota today. She is a rock star in the world of generations. She is actually the CEO of Resultants, the founder of the Generational Institute, and she is the author of Unlocking Generational Codes. Guess what we're talking about today? It's going to be about generations, and I think Anna has lived this not just has become an, an academic and an expert and, and a consultant and a thought leader, but she's actually lived it because get this, everybody, she is the youngest of 19 children in her family. She grew up in a household of six generations. So she gets it. And we're going to be obviously talking about the millennial generation because that's what's hot right now. So Anna, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thanks, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. So you and I have known each other a long time, and you're an outstanding speaker. And as I got to know what you did, I am fascinated because there's with these generations. And and by the way, millennial is let's let's give some definition to what they are, and we'll get you know, and that is from what age to what age approximately, because we're primarily talking about millennials and boomers and Gen Xers, and and let's give some age to it and relevance as it applies to the work world, to the professional world. Absolutely. You know, it's oftentimes surprising to people what ages the generations are right now, because they think, ah, millennials, those kids. But right now, millennials are between the ages of 38 to 17. So they completely eclipse and cover our entire young adult workforce, which we typically think as 18 to 34. They're all millennials right now. So they're making a huge impact on the workplace. Our Gen Xers right above them are between 39 to 51 years old right now. Our Baby boomers, a huge generation that's made a huge impact, are 52 to 70. On January 1, baby boomers started crossing the threshold into 70. Wow. And then our traditionalists are 71 to 89. And GIs are above them at 90 plus. And then below the millennials, we have the globals. They've also been started to talk about them as Gen Z because that's the next letter in the alphabet. But they're <laughs> 16 and younger all the way down. So we've got a whole mix of, you know, some organizations can still have six generations in the workplace. Wow. So Gen Z, I, I want to know what's going to happen in 10 years when they have to come up with another gen. Um, exactly, right? They'll probably go back to the beginning of the alphabet. But that's a really fascinating thing because people oftentimes say, why do I hear so many different names for the generations? And they generally is a placeholder name for a generation until they get into their formative years of 8 to 18. And then the, uh, the personality and the characteristics of the generations kind of settle out and we hear a new name. That's why we're hearing globals as the name, uh, where placeholder names were Gen Z, the Nexters. Wow, wow. So uh, the global thing intrigues me because I wonder why are they calling them a global, although I think the world is getting smaller. Uh, I know my bookings for speeches, I go all over the world now, like, you know, it's like, hey, we're having a meeting in, you know, next week I'm in Turkey. We're having a meeting in Turkey. Um, are you available that day? <laughs> I'm going, I'm available that day, but I got to look at the two days before and the two days after for travel purposes. But the point is, because of the internet, because the communication of working, you know, with people around the world, other than a time zone challenge, everything's fine. 
Exactly. And, you know, the name Globals is a really important one because our young people think of themselves as global citizens first. So where our traditionalists or our baby boomers thought of their school and then maybe their town and maybe their state and then their country as their origin of uh, community, our Globals think of the young person that they've met on the Internet, watched them on YouTube, played games with them in a multi-game you know, situ- game user situation, they think of them as intimately as they do as the young person sitting next to them in school. Wow. They have as close of contact with them, having only had digital or virtual contact as they do with face-to-face. So they really think of themselves as global citizens. And in their school projects, they'll make up nonprofits that serve young people that they'll never meet face-to-face. Wow. So I love it. Global. And I, I love that that's where we're going because with global... I believe barriers are breaking down between race, religion, color, uh, you name it, every stereotype. Um, I, and I think, am I, am I right? I mean, do we, are we heading that direction? Can we, get, can we get some right. of the people in the U.S. on board with the fact that we are global and that color, race, religion, et cetera, does not make a difference? You're absolutely right. Our Globals and our Millennials have been raised by their baby boomer parents and uh, Globals Gen Xer parents with the conversation about equality and diversity and inclusion being part of their lives, part of their schools for sure, but part of their lives. And so for them, it's not a good idea. It is the way it is. 75% of Globals have a friend in school that was born of a different country. Many of them are growing up in schools where there's 30 to 38 different languages being spoken um, natively. And so for them, the shades of the rainbow are just part of their conversation. There's every color of white to brown to black that is part of their community. And so when we talk about diversity and we're thinking we're so proudly inclusive, to them, they're thinking, duh, that's just obvious. That's just the way the world is. In fact, that language will probably fall out of use for them because it just is the way the world is. They don't even need to include it on top of it. And I know there are certain parts of the world, not not just the U.S., there are certain parts of the world and there are certain, uh, you know, just even in the U.S., I know there are certain parts of this country where uh, people are still catching up to that concept. So let's get into business. Let's get into business. And I want to apply this to customer service because most people listening know that really my background is of a customer service expert. I work with companies all over the world helping them with that. So let's talk about how these generational differences apply to customer service and sales and very frontline facing types of responsibilities because I think that may be where the rubber hits the road and may have some what I would call ROI in the form of some kind of payoff by understanding how we can best work with our customers who pay us money to do business uh, and, and how it ties into generational differences. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's a really important thing because a lot of times people will say, you know, customer service, isn't it just good common sense that we, you know, take great care of the customer? But customer service across the generations is not common sense. In fact, I like to say common sense is not common. 
because when we reference what we think is good customer service, we go back and look at our formative experiences around customer service, and that's where the generations really differ. When you look at wanting to understand generations and what I call their generational code, this kind of deeper DNA understanding about how the world works, you really have to understand that in between the ages of 8 to 18, for every generation, there are formative experiences. What we know from knowledge studies is about age 7, our brains start to make logic. So we think, if this, then that. And between 8 to 18, we're watching the world around us. We're watching the customer service we see. We're watching how our parents interact with the world. And when there's an event and it's paired with an emotion, it creates an imprint. I'll give you a really specific example of this. Um, my bonus mom. I have a bonus mom because my mom passed when I was very young, and my dad remarried to her best friend, who we called a gift to our family, a bonus. So I call her my bonus oh, wow. mom. Yeah, and we were making a uh, lasagna for one of our family potlucks because one of 19 children, you can only imagine, I'm from a huge family. So my siblings now between them and their kids have 97 kids. So I'm oh, an my auntie. gosh. 97 times, right? So I really, okay, time really research this on the front line. Right. I got to know. Out. Time out. You got to know. What do you do at Christmas? Oh, <laughs> well, okay. So I'll tell, we, tell you what we used to do before all 97. We used to rent the church hall. Seriously? There was, oh, seriously, because no one house and no one bathroom could, you know, take that many people coming through. So we loved the church hall because it had a big industrial Hobart dishwasher. <laughs> that's the most important thing. It had that's the requirement for the family the reunion, for the, fam- for the family Christmas gathering. <laughs> a Hobart so dishwasher. A Hobart dishwasher and multiple bathrooms. Don't forget the multiple bathrooms. That's really important. Those brother-in-laws did not like waiting in line for the one bathroom we had in our farmhouse <laughs> oh wow i well, i can only imagine all right back to business i just had to throw that in because i'm thinking 19 kids and and you said 90 how many grandchildren Nine, there, are, there are 56 grandchildren and then another 41 uh great grandchildren 40 and then you've got spouses that these you know brothers and sisters married so, exactly. I mean, it really grows, and it grows. It wow. really goes. And then I have 300 first cousins. So a family wedding to me is 350 to 400. It's like the godfather wedding. It is the godfather <laughs> wedding. And I am Sicilian, so we really know the godfather world. <laughs> All right. Layata is a, a Sicilian name. All right. Back to business. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to business. So... My bonus mom and I were preparing a lasagna because everybody has to pitch in when you come to a family uh, event. It's got to be a potluck. So we're making the lasagna, and we cover it in tinfoil to take it off to the dinner. At the end of the night, I'm washing down the now-empty lasagna plate, and I look over at my sweet bonus mom. What do you think she, at 90 years old, is doing with the tinfoil? Saving it. She's saving it. it. That's folding right. it and She's saving wiping it. Wiping it down, smoothing out the wrinkles, folding it up. She's operating on her generational code. Because when you look at her formative experiences in that critical time of 8 to 18. She was in the Depression. She, she was in the Depression, World War Two. So even though today we have plenty of resources to buy more tinfoil, or as it more modernly is called, aluminum foil, she still has actions and reactions every day based on her formative experiences that drive her choices, her behaviors, her values, how she wants to be served. 
So when we're thinking about the generations, we have to understand what is that code that drives their expectation around customer service. Now, I'll give you another example from her. Being a GI generation, to her customer service looks like you walk into a store and the sales or service associate should approach you and introduce themselves and then stay close by to make sure that they can help you if they need it. So I was taking her shopping for some slacks, and we walked in, and a young millennial shouted across the store, hey, let me know if you need anything. Now, for her generational code, she was horrified, right? She was like, how rude. And she just, at that point, she didn't even want to interact with the person because they had not observed her generational code. Wow. That's great information. So here, I want to jump forward, but we also are going to take a break. So we're going to hang on those last words, and then when we come back, we're going to jump forward and and hear uh, about the next part of the story. But I can see exactly what you're talking about. Ironically, this week, I just wrote an article about that person from the other side of the store that says, hey, can I help you, versus walking up and engaging with you. That's exactly what we were talking about in the article. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about generations. We're talking about millennials, boomers, uh, and and the others in between and even after and even before that. We're talking with Anna Iota. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Anna Lyota. I'm sorry, Lyota. Lyota. I, I don't want to get a Sicilian name wrong. That is no, for sure. No, so, you Anna, you're telling us a great story about your bonus mom. She's, uh, you know, got a completely different mindset. You walked in the store. The person from the other side of the store, a millennial thought they were doing the right thing by shouting out hey what can i you know can i let me know if you need any help or whatever and she thought wow you know she expected a different engagement and by the way it's it's great so you said fast forward or jump forward what's the next part of this great story all right so now let's look at a gen xer now to be clear our gen xers right now are between the ages of 39 to 51 and it can be tough to know if you're dealing with a gen xer because Visually, it's not as easy to tell that they're a Gen Xer. But here's what's really important to understand. Gen Xers in their formative years were the first generation of latchkey kids. They had to let themselves in after school, make their own after school snack, spend a lot of time alone one-on-one. So they're very scrappy, they're very bottom line, and oftentimes can occur as abrupt. One thing to understand about Gen Xers is they do not lead in relationship by self-disclosing or sharing a lot about themselves and their lives and their desires. So when they walk into your store, they actually do want to have a bubble of space around them because they understand the whole sales cycle in a retail environment where commissions are, um, you know, customer service might get commissions. So they want some space. So that same person that shouted out across the store and said, hey, let me know if I can help you, 
that actually would work for a Gen Xer because they would be like, great, they've identified me, they see that I'm here, they've acknowledged that I'm here. But what gets on their very last nerve is when a baby boomer comes up to them and says, so, what are you here for? Is this something special? Is it a wedding? Do you have a special event you're planning for? Tell me how I can help you. And then hovers really close to them, is right up next to them. And the Gen Xer's thinking, seriously, back off, give me some space. I understand, but they don't want somebody that's really tight up and on them because they're feeling pressured. In fact, our Gen Xers oftentimes would prefer to stock their purchase online and then, like a ninja, zip into the store, grab it without having to make any contact and small chat and revealing anything personal about them until they've received value. Once they've received value, that is when you can start to learn a little bit more about them. All right. So so I've got to jump in here because, first of all, I agree with everything you're saying, but I I have to add that there needs to be a balance. I would, I if if I'm going in and doing customer service training in a retail and frontline hospitality focused environment, I think that shouting, even nicely shouting, and shouting's the wrong word, but from across the room saying, "Hey, you know," and and here's what's actually happening from a technical sense. I'm acknowledging that you're here and I'm asking if you need help. But from across the room, I say, "Hey, how are you? Let me know if I can help you." I would tell the store or company that I'm working for not to do that. Instead, I would say, you walk up to that customer, and I don't care if they're Gen Xers, Boomers, Millennials, Globals, whomever, and you just simply say, welcome to the store. What can I help you find today? And if somebody says, I'm just looking, you back off, just like you're talking about. But if somebody says, I, and they, I'm looking for whatever you say, and in the best stores, you're going to say, let me show you where that is. On the way, you might ask, uh, what are you using this for to get more information? But I think the right questions and in the right situation, you become helpful, not hovering. And there's a big difference. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I think that uh, the key thing is is to watch the cues of how the person responds to you. Absolutely, I would say approach them. But then how close you stay or how much you engage with them all depends on the cues that they give you. So let's take it from the retail store that's a physical location on the, on the phone. Let's okay. take it into customer service on the phone. So a baby boomer might call into a call center needing help, and they might begin the conversation with something like, so how's the weather in your area? Where are you located? They want to begin small chat. And so the customer service person needs to understand, okay, we might have a few minutes of banter here because that actually observes the baby boomer's code. But a Gen Xer might call in and say, okay, here's the problem, here's the situation, here's what I need, because they've already done as much research in advance, and they respect when the customer service professional reacts and responds to them by honoring their tone that they're entering into the conversation with and reflects it back to them. Right. So now we are wanting to respect that they already know their problem. They don't want to talk a lot about it, about the small talk of the weather or the kids or the family, but get right down to business. So it really becomes the imperative of the service professional to listen and reflect back to the person the code or the tone that they're bringing forward. So I, I like that, and and that goes toward something uh, my friend Dr. Tony Alessandro, who you probably know well, another mm-hmm. Italian, maybe even from Sicily, 
uh, but Tony's concept of the platinum rule, which is not to treat others the way uh, you would want to be treated yourself, but to treat others the way they want to be treated. So if you can tell you've got a fast-talking, very direct, get me what I need quickly, just the facts kind of person, then you deliver in that style and you adapt to that style. I still believe in the perfect customer service world, um, you uh, are talking to somebody and you get that person who wants to just get right to it. And simply saying something like, I see you're calling from St. Louis, Missouri. Nice town. And that's all you say. And boom, you're back into it. That tiny, you know, six seconds of, of verbiage is just a rapport builder that takes it to a, a, what I would call a more personal level and now we get into the facts. That's why you called. You called for support. Now let's get into it. Uh, there are that, people. I'm, I agree with you right, right, right on that point. I think right after you make that moment of connection, I see you're from St. Louis, Missouri, the critical thing for the service professional to do is listen mm-hmm. to what they say next. If right. they do say, yes, I am, and I'm so excited about, and they begin to engage with you, that is one of the tips or triggers that you might be talking to a certain generation. If they go, yes, I am, now you've got another indicator that you might be talking to a different generation. Now, there are absolutely personality styles that come into this as well, as well as whatever the urgency of their need is. But what we're just trying to give people is more tools to recognize how they might pivot or customize their response to people by recognizing even if you can't see the person, what generation they're coming from. I'll give you a really specific example of how to do that. And by the way, I, I interrupted you. Did, did, oh. I just want to make sure we didn't lose focus on your original point as we were talking about. Uh, I think we're there. I think we're in the same spot. I just don't want to yep. lose. We did. Great. I circled you right Because I'm really good at, at, at bumping things around here. <laughs> but no, uh, great. So you're bringing us back home. Perfect. All right. Then bring us back home. So one of the things that baby boomers love, love, love to talk about is their kids. You ask a baby boomer a question like this, even if it's on the phone, do you have kids? And baby boomers will oftentimes say, I do. I have two kids. I have a daughter. She's 24. She's writing a movie. She's amazing. I'm sure it's going to get to Sundance. She's just so extraordinarily talented and wise beyond her years and off and running. And then my son is in college. He's a soccer star. He's really ahead above the rest. He's just amazing. And you're thinking... All I ask is if you had kids. But now you know you're talking to a baby boomer. Gen Xers do not disclose personal information in the beginning of a relationship. So you ask the customer the same thing. Do you have kids? And a Gen Xer will say, yes, period. And that's it. And that's it. Until you've delivered value, answered their questions, met the need that they came in for, they're not going to self-disclose more information to you because you haven't earned it yet. So it's a very quick litmus test to understand whether in personal uh, relationships, business relationships, who you're talking to by asking them simple questions. Do you have kids? And then listening to their response. Right. And millennials, uh, some of the older millennials probably do have young kids. Absolutely, and they will proudly share about their kids as well. Now, you'll be able to tell by the age of the kids if you're talking to someone even younger, but they'll also begin to share with you their philosophy on parenting in a different way because millennials are coming into being parents all in. When they choose, and generally it's a little later in their um, life cycle than baby boomers, uh, 
starting kids, but millennials will share all about their kid and they will be completely forthcoming about how they're choosing to parent. Yeah, and they'll be very opinionated about it. No Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. And defensive about don't even don't even uh, uh, challenge me that I'm breastfeeding in public because I'm being a natural mom or don't even challenge me that I chose to stay home because I am an all-in dad. So they are very, very, very strong about their opinions about how to parent. And by the way, as you're talking to your customers and you're asking about their kids, great if you want to do that. Don't ask them about their husbands or wives. Yes, they, that they, is not something. <laughs> they come and go, but <laughs> the kids are always going to be their kids. We are going to take a real short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about the millennial generation. Uh, Anna, you are writing a new book, and the title of that book is? Monetizing the Millennial Mindset. And I can't think of a better way to end our interview. So when we come back, we're going to talk about monetizing the millennial mindset. My name's Shep Hyken. We are listening to Anna Lyota. I'm sorry, Lyota. I've been calling you, I've been calling like Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. That's uh-huh. what it is, but it's lie. No lying here. It's Lyota. <laughs> Anna Lyota. We are talking with Anna about Uh, eventually more about millennials and monetizing them. We've been talking about generations. This is fascinating. I have taken two pages of notes, and I know some of the people listening to this are doing the same thing. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I love a good book, and Donna Cutting's new book, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet, is a great one. The passion that Donna has for customer service is evident as you read this book. She shares how she treats her customers like they're celebrities and gives you 501 ways that you can do the same. So if you want to create raving fans, check out Donna Cutting's new book on Amazon.com, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here, back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Anna Layata, and we are talking about generations and different ways that we have to deal with them in business. And Anna, you have an upcoming book, Monetizing the Millennial Mindset. That fascinates me because I think the millennials, if you look at what age they are, they're probably the largest buying group right now. I think boomers probably may be pretty close, but I think the millennials are coming up if they haven't already surpassed us. Uh, I'm a boomer, by the way, Um, and uh, I'd like to say I'm on the very early, uh, well, or the late part of the boomer. I'm a late boomer, a late bloomer, too. My parents (laughs) told me I was a late bloomer, but no, no, I'm I'm a young boomer. How's that? I'm a young boomer, almost Gen Xer. But um, so, Anna, uh, the millennials, big generation, really influential uh, chances are many of us, if we're not already working for them, we are going to be working for them. But definitely as customers, they're a big customer base. How do we monetize them? Well, it's critical to be able to answer that question. Here's the thing to understand. Our baby boomers were a huge generation. 80 million were born. So they overwhelmed every institution and organization they met, including their purchasing power. Our Gen Xers, only 44 million were born, but they are very particular about how they buy and what they want in service. Our millennials, 76 million were born in the U.S. alone, but this is the first generation where we're seeing the massive input from international millennials as well. So when we're looking at the buying power, yes, right now, baby boomers still have more money under their um, their purview, 
But millennials influence baby boomer decision because millennials and baby boomers are very tight. As helicopter parents of the millennial generation, baby boomers really look to their kids to influence their buying decisions around a lot of things, technology being the biggest, but also their vacations, their retail um, purchases, their housing. Baby boomers aren't moving to a warm spot to retire. They're moving closer to their millennial kids who are having their grandbabies. So it's really important to understand the millennial mindset because they are the increasing purchasing power of today and tomorrow. And if you don't understand how they see the world, what their generational code is about who they trust, who they buy for, you're going to be missing the next huge wave that's already here but only getting stronger and bigger. So we really have to understand what is it that makes them tick and what ticks them off in what we do. So give us three tips. Okay, so one tip. Let's talk social media. Okay. Millennials are very, very active on social media. We all know this, but what we need to understand when it comes to sales and service is that we have a megaphone in the hands of millennials, and they expect from us a two-way communication about the purchase and the products and who we are as an organization. They go on Twitter and they tell you if they had a great experience and they had a terrible experience. And companies have to be responsive to that moment when they're online sharing with you openly something that you used to have to pay millions of dollars in a focus group to find out. It's right there on social media. They're sharing their passions, they're sharing their likes, their dislikes, and they're basically giving you tremendous amounts of information. But if you're not listening, you're ticking them off. I was just on a flight uh, on Alaska Airlines who does social media brilliantly. And I pulled down the um, tray to start my computer up, and it was all sticky and had crumbs on it, something that I don't typically experience on Alaska Airlines. So I took a quick photo of it, tweeted, and within seven seconds, I had a response from Alaska Airlines saying, we are so sorry. What flight are you on? We want to make sure we check that out when you land. I, as a customer... I was completely satisfied because they'd responded immediately. They'd asked how they could get involved in it, and they said, have a great flight. Did you now, this did is, you direct message them, or did you uh, I make it, it public? I made it public, and I put the hashtag Alaska Air, or their, their, their handle Alaska Air, and they have dedicated people watching the Twitter feed for any comment, and they immediately respond. And now I've said that was a, that was a – breakdown situation but i've also tweeted when i get upgraded hey i'm excited or that kind of thing and they always respond before the doors close and the plane takes off isn't that great and i think that's the key and everybody this is a lesson for not just millennials but for any generation that decides to use social media if or, or, or if they shouldn't decide to uh participate in social media they need to companies need to because their customers are engaging on the social channels and all they're asking for many times is a simple acknowledgement you know that you're listening hey thanks for sharing that really appreciate that comment hey thanks for sharing that we will make sure we check that out as soon as your plane lands you know, hey, you know, if it's a positive thing, and again, thank you for the compliment. We look forward to giving you more of that great service. That's it. And if, if you right. do that, and by the way, you can't do it in three or four hours, can you? It needs to be done. Seven seconds is amazing. That is truly that amazing. Is amazing. But if you that do it within amazing. several minutes, even 10 or 15 minutes, you will be on their side. Good or bad review, Absolutely. they'll appreciate it. Yep, and that's really the thing is to understand, and this this is a generational piece too. 
it's not that we'll never have breakdowns in customer service. We want to have a great experience the first time, but particularly important to Gen Xers and to millennials is how do you recover from a bad moment? You can strengthen our relationship by recovering well and having a two-way conversation be open. I expect brands, I expect organizations to talk with me directly. If I'm using a channel, I expect them to talk back to me and share, hey, we caught that, we see that, we want to get on that. And then it, even if it was a breakdown, we still have a strong relationship and a long-term uh, follower and friend. Great. So that was the first tip. I said three. <laughs> oh, you said three. Okay. I said well, there three. was kind of two embedded in there. But All we'll right. Give good. You well, a okay. I'll I'll give, there's you two a... in there. I'll give you one more because then we're going to have okay. to start to wrap up. Go at least at least one more. I think this is great because, you know, you talked about how do we monetize the millennials uh, or the millennial mindset or the millennial generation. And, and I think what you're saying is – in order to monetize them, we need to understand them. And using social media is a way to engage them and connect with them on a level that's beyond being in your store or being on your website. It is an opportunity to be a part of their life outside of the you know normal business parameters. So I said, when I said give me three tips – that was a great one. If you want to count it as two, I'll go with it. But I, oh, yeah, I, I yeah, want yeah. two I've more for me because you're you. very smart, and I want to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's, here's another one. Here's okay. a major, major one people need to understand. Today, everyone is a customer. There are internal customers, and there are external customers. Right. Millennials think of themselves as customers. They might be a customer who's currently working for you, but they are a customer. And when you treat them in another way, they say, you know what, this is not my final destination. One of my generationally savvy tips is millennials' mindset is I've got options. They've grown up with options about what to eat, what to wear, where to go to school. Mom and dad as helicopter parents were very responsive to them. So you have to understand, you can't make a millennial employee live a nightmare but deliver a dream to the customer. They will deliver exactly what their experience is working for you, and they will share about that internal experience very publicly. There's no more old-school traditionalist or boomer, what happens here stays here in their generational code. Millennials share broadly, and they share vividly what's happening, and it doesn't even remotely occur to them that they're violating any codes or any promises to the organization. So the internal customer experience of the employee is as important as the external customer experience of the person that's buying your products and services. They Amen. can't be living a nightmare and delivering a dream. And, and this is the way we put it, real simply put, what's happening on the inside of a company is going to be felt on the outside by a customer. Yes. All right. So uh, that was a second tip. Do you have a third okay, one for us? Okay, now here's a third tip. Okay. It is, it is not obvious that eye contact is essential to millennials. One of the things we were talking about on the break is phones. So millennials have grown up constantly connected to a screen of some sort. And so you might think it's good common sense that they should be making eye contact to st demonstrate respect, whether they're an employee, whether a service provider, whether a sales professional. But the reality is Millennials do not understand that when they are not looking the person in the eye to the other person, that occurs like a lack of respect. Now, it bleeds over into other generations as well, but it is pervasively one of the top things that people complain about with millennials is 
they're looking at their digital device. They're not respecting me. Right. And so it's something that in a generationally savvy tip, you have to be explicit, not implicit about your expectations when it comes to service and sales and demonstrating respect. So when millennials understand, oh my gosh, you think I'm not paying attention by looking at my phone? It's hard for them to make the correction, but little by little, because they want to have the impact on the other person that they want, not the impact that they're defaulting, that's a huge piece. Eye contact, not digital interaction, is going to keep that respect level moving in the direction you want it to. Right. And it works both ways, by the way. If you're a millennial dealing with a boomer, you may have to adjust to the boomer style. The other night, we are having dinner. My mom's over with her boyfriend. We're sitting at the table, and we're talking about a movie, and he can't remember the name of the actor in the movie. And both my daughter and I, my daughter being a young millennial of 22, she pulls out her phone. I pull out my phone, and it's now a race to see who can get the information about who starred in this movie uh, fastest. And this gentleman uh, sitting across from us, my mom's boyfriend, who's obviously in that uh, probably, uh, well, what's the after boomers is the... Traditionalist. The traditionalist. The traditionalist says, put that phone away. It does not come out. By the way, we're done with dinner. We're just sitting around now hanging out. But we're still at the table. You do not pull that out at the dinner table. And I said, we're not making a phone call. We're not even checking email. We're contributing to the conversation with our phones. And it was obviously a total generational disconnect. And, you know, the next day I called him out on that because he was obviously extremely upset. And I said, let me tell you where we are with this because I said, you know, I understand you should be upset with me or my daughter if we pulled out her phone to check her email or get a text message or whatever in the middle of a meal. Number one, we were done with the meal. Number two, it was part of the conversation. It was if we were sitting around and there was a computer next to us. It just happens to be in her hand, not on a desktop. And you know what he said? He goes, I think you're right. I overreacted. You're right. And guess what happened the next time we had dinner? He pulled out his phone to check on a fact that we were talking about. <laughs> so it works well, both you're ways. you such a great point, Chef, because here's the thing. When you trip another generation's trigger, like you pulled out your phone, and for him that was a lack of respect, right? It's not that they even know that you've tripped it. Remember, generational codes are so deep and so visceral. They got put in place in a formative experience. My bonus mom doesn't think about saving tinfoil. It's just what she does. So in this situation, he didn't even realize that he was saying something that wasn't common everyday practice anymore. He was reactivated. And it really probably wraps us up in all of this, which is success begins when you can recognize that you can shift into the code of another generation if you're seeking to attract them, woo them, develop them, sell to them, serve them, then it's your responsibility to be able to shift into their generational code if you want to be a person of influence, if you want to have an impact. Now, if they're trying to court you, woo you, attract you, then they need to shift into your generational code because no generational code is absolutely right and another one's absolutely wrong. It comes down to the question, is this? The moment when I can make an impact, when I can persuade, when I can influence, when I can sell, when I can serve, then my job is to get savvy about being in their generational code, to be nimble. Because when we come from our own generational code to another person, we sound a little bit like the adults in Charlie Brown's world. Do you remember what they sounded like? That's how our code lands on them if it's not a match. 
So when we can sound like music to their ears, like their favorite channel on Spotify, is when we can shift into their code. And then we can be a person of influence. Wow. Well, Anna, you have given us such great information. How could we get more information about you? I bet it's at your website. Absolutely. You can go to analiata.com, A-N-N-A-L-I-O-T-T-A dot com, or thegenerationalinstitute.com. Thegenerationalinstitute.com. Great. Anna, you're awesome. Great information. This is why we call this Amazing Business Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Everybody who's listening, you've just heard some outstanding information. Anna, you are brilliant. That's all I could say. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to say thanks. It just is the way it is. Phenomenal conversation today. Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio. My name's Shep Hyken, always reminding you to be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.